Hey everyone, this is Matt with 420 Ministries. I'm super excited for you to get to have the chance to listen to our Hebrew study as we close out Hebrews chapter four and we jump into the first couple verses of Hebrews chapter five. I honestly think that from, from this past Thursday night, uh, the service that we had, um, it was one of my favorite services that we have had um, since we've been in this series of Hebrews and honestly, since we have started gathering consistently every Thursday night um, at the beginning of the year, there was a powerful presence of the Lord that came into the room that just expressed itself just with joy, with weeping, with um, huge shouts of thanksgiving. It was honestly a beautiful time in the presence of the Lord. I hope that you are enjoying this study on Hebrews as much as we are having the privilege and joy of being able to teach it. If there's anything that you would like prayer for this week, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We love you guys, bless you, and as you listen this week, I pray that you would step into a beautiful and full revelation of Jesus Christ as our high priest. Bless you guys this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So last week, um, we started in chapter four. We only got... We got more than halfway through it, but one of my most favorite parts in Hebrews chapter four, um, we didn't exactly get to close out the end of that. And so we're going to hopefully get to, cha- we're, we're definitely going to get to chapter five. Um, but I just want to, I want to start in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter four. Let me pull up my notes real quick in this. Man, praise God. So join me in verse 12 as we start in this. This is powerful right here. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Everyone in here say alive and powerful. Alive and powerful. powerful. That worship was alive and powerful. Come on. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, verse 14, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses, praise God, for he faced all of the same testings or trials that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. There's a couple of things I want to offer to you guys that... um. When we read the word of God, oftentimes it's reading the word. It's not so much about, okay, I'm going to go read the Bible and I, I need to like, I need to make sure I come out of this time having gotten something from it. One, I, I personally believe it's impossible to open scripture and read it and not walk away with something. I just, I, I believe it's impossible. Even if it's the same verse that you've read, like the like 100 times, then let it affect you again 101 times. Something that is living and active cannot be dead, and it cannot not have nothing to say to you. Is that making sense when I say that? 
And oftentimes, I believe that when we are crying, and this is just kind of a, a, a thought that I have, and I, I personally believe, if you, if, you, if you see this differently, totally fine. When I read this and it says that the word of God is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. There was this time of where I was, and this was a, a couple years ago, of where um, I would spend time in prayer and worship and I, and I would read other, other books. And I, I love, I love reading. I love, um, I believe, I think it was John Piper that said Hebrews chapter 11 is the mandate to the church to read Christian autobiography. Or he had a quote like that or something like that. Meaning, um, read from authors of men and women that have come before us in the faith. I love reading other books. I, I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But then there would be this time of where I would go throughout the day and almost in a way like, you know, when you begin to get hungry, you can feel like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm hungry in the natural. I haven't, I haven't ate today. There would be this really weird feeling and I, and I could tell that the feeling was spiritual. I knew, man, this is not like I just ate. I'm not physically hungry. Like this is, this is spiritual. This is kingdom. Something is happening in the spirit realm that I'm not seeing. And I remember walking, I was walking into like Walmart or, 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 or some store one day. And as I was walking, I'm thinking this, and I don't know what happened. I was, I was driving there. I remember when it happened. I had this thought that just hit me of, oh, this is my soul hungering for the word of God. And it just, like, I don't even know why I thought that, but the thought just hit me. Oh, this is my soul hungering for fresh bread. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritually hungry. And I remember that in that moment, the Lord taught me this lesson that when I begin to cry out for more, more of God, which I believe he gladly loves to give. He gladly loves to give. I, I, I pray that we would become a church and we would become a people that never stop asking the Lord for more because the day that we stop asking him for more is the day that we've accidentally bought into the lie that we've maxed him out and you can't max him out and you, you, you can't get to the end of him and you cannot exhaust him and you cannot spend him. I had a friend of mine that used to tell me, I dare you to try to outgive a king. It, ca it cannot be done. It cannot be done. He's inexhaustible in his resources. resources. He is infinite in his wonders and his splendor and his majesty will stretch from time to time, filling space and everything in between. He cannot be boxed in. He cannot be fenced in. He can't even accurately and perf perfectly be described with mere words. Sometimes silence is the only answer because even my words would cheapen the very righteousness and holiness that emanates off of his person. He's glorious in every facet and we can give a thousand lifetimes trying to describe it and give it. I once heard Sierra say, if we had a thousand lifetimes to say thank you, it still would not be enough. I've, I've, I'm, I heard that statement. I'm like, that's the most perfect thing I've ever heard. I could have a thousand lifetimes to say thank you and never cross the finish line, never scratch the surface. These moments are, man, these moments are but tastes. These moments are but tastes of, of heaven on earth, stepping past a torn veil, stepping into a New Testament reality. These are, these are but foreshadowings of our eternal future, praise God. And when we read scripture, it does something. I, I, I like to think of it like this. I like to think of my soul as this white rag. And when I read scripture, 
it's like an oil to that white rag. It, it touches it and it immediately begins to expand. It immediately begins to permeate. It immediately begins to soak. When I read scripture, it immediately begins to affect me. It's almost like, it's like watering the soil on the top of a plant and it slowly begins to make its way down into the whole thing until it soaks through. And the longer you read, it's like the longer it's pouring through you. And when I read scripture, it exposes, I'm sorry, it separates between my soul and spirit, creating a capacity for more. I would like to suggest to us tonight that God cannot continue to fill where we have not made room for him by the reading of the word to expose for him to fill. He will still come every time. He will still pour himself out. On the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes, pours himself out. It's not like they, they had Genesis to Revelation binded, printed, and published in their hands and in their back pockets yet. It was about a presence that they were honoring over a word that they did not yet have. But I believe that one of the privileges we have as New Testament, New Covenant Christians is that one of the ways we get to experience, see, feel, and encounter God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is through his written word. And when we read it, it opens up our soul's capacities for more. It's like, it's like when we read the word, it creates your soul as a runway for God to come in and land on. Oftentimes, I'm having a hard time perceiving the presence of God. Like I'm having a hard time sensing, experiencing, giving my attention. Maybe when you come in your quiet time next, just spend time reading through the Psalms briefly. Spend time maybe like audibly, if you're not a reader, but you're a hearer, like put your audio Bible in on your phone and, may and maybe listen. And, and honestly, like, like experiment with this, try this. See how your soul feels then. Like check back in and then begin to return to the Lord. The word is so nat like natural, it's so supernatural, it will divide your doubt, it will divide your unbelief from your faith and receptivity and make you sensitive to the supernatural realm around you simply because it's living and active, it is not dead. It's a, it's a supernatural document. It's a love letter that is a supernatural document that there's people in the world that cry and, ch and cherish and cling to, pa to pages of it. It's not just letters on paper. It's living and breathing. It does something to you. Every, even the fact that you're holding it open right now, even if it's on your, your phone, whatever, it's so supernatural. It's affecting you in ways that we can't even see. We can't even see it. When we read the word of God, it is the very captured breath of God the Son in written form delivered to us. It is the quickest way to understand and to know him. We talked a little bit about knowing him last week, about gnosko, about what that means. But when we read it, it exposes things about us that maybe we didn't even know about ourselves. It gives us inclinations of how to pray into different things. There's something that I want to explain to us. For a while, um, I was sitting on trying to answer the question for myself of what is the difference between uh, expectation and entitlement? Expectation and entitlement. 
Clay had sent out a text to our, our team one, one time and we were, it was at the beginning of the month, we were asking for prayer requests on different things. And a uh, repeating request in the text was a hunger and a di- desire for the manifest presence of Jesus. Um, and we had different expressions of how we wanted to see that. And ever since I read those texts, it kind of had me in this thought of like, okay, what's the difference between expectation and then entitlement? What's the difference between, okay, God, you, you owe us this. You, we, 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 should, we should get this. Like we, we get to have this versus the difference of, okay, well, he's God. He can do, he can do whatever we want. We don't, we, like I said at the beginning, we don't get to box him in. We don't have lines that we get to color in. There is no blueprint. There is no game plan. But then how do we walk this middle of how do I healthily steward what is being poured out? Because how many of you know the presence of God is precious? Yeah, it is precious. It is the, man, it is, it is the purest, it's, it's the purest treasure and it's worth living, laying down and, and dying for. It is, it is, we will spend however long we are still allowed to gather in this building on Thursday nights, whether it's for forever, if we get the presence of God in return because it's the only thing that is enough. It's the only thing that is enough. It's the only thing. I look back over my life and I remember when I told the Lord, I will never have to go back to X, Y, and Z if you promise me your presence. Promise me your presence. And the Lord will pour his presence out and, 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 and give more to which we are jealously willing to steward well and take care of because his presence is him. When was the last time you had a guest over to your house and you did not host them well? That would be crazy. That would be rude. When the Lord comes in, we are so sensitive. Like even, like honestly, like, I, like I, I'm not being weird. Like even your breathing becomes reverent to him. Even your breathing, even my steps, the way I look at someone, the way that I engage in my, in my interior atmosphere and world. Everything becomes reverent to him. You can't think, say, or do anything without a hovering conviction of the Lord is here. The Lord is present. Everything that I do matters. Everything that I do is seen. And that's not there to scare you into good behavior. That's ridiculous. The Lord, can I just read something to you out of my, out of my journal this week that I, was, that I was writing in? There's a reason as to why we are not just seeking a moral life. Oftentimes, my morals are actually the very vehicle itself that enables my pride. Self-righteousness masked as holy humility. All of a sudden, my life doesn't become about obedience and surrender. It becomes an egotistical-based track record of performance and self-serving gold stars. Anything that I have earned by self-prescribed morals outside of the embrace and righteousness of Jesus is ultimately nothing. My flesh may be fattened and happy, but Jesus himself and the holy onlookers of heaven are scratching their heads wondering why the righteousness of Jesus is simply not enough. My moral pursuits, no matter how noble at heart or pure in intention, are the very things that could potentially cause me to stand before the king one day and hear out of his mouth, depart from me, I never knew you. Keeping rules does not prove at all that I know him. When the presence of God 
comes up to me. And maybe he says nothing. Maybe he offers nothing but his presence. And it's just the love language of quality time. Do I stop and give attention? Jeff was saying it um, as, as he was opening us up tonight. Do I make a choice to turn attention a lot of times we think of repentance and we, we tie repentance to sin. Repentance is so much more than, okay, I sinned, I need to repent. Repentance is a compound word. Re means to turn. Pent is where we get the word penthouse. It's a returning to the high place of thinking. It is a returning to heavenly thinking. How many times in my day do I need to stop, not repent because I've sinned, but going because it's just like, okay, my, my attention and my affections were removed from you. And you don't have to work in a church or work in seclusion to do this. One of my favorite, favorite early Christian writers and Christian mystics, used to, his name is Brother Lawrence, used to wash dishes in a monastery. People used to come and watch him wash dishes because his face would begin to shine with the glory of God as he made an intentional habit and practice to meditate upon him. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> like, that's crazy. And it wasn't like, okay, this is my ministry to get people to come stare at me. He was busy staring at him. And just something happened as a byproduct. He wasn't focused, I'm going to live a moral life. He threw morals out the window and clings to righteousness. I'm not saying don't live as a person of integrity and purity and make you, you, have, you have common sense. You have a self-control for a reason. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but... Man, why'd we go in there? Why'd we go into all that? Oh yeah, expectation and entitlement. I'm like, why'd we, like, why'd we start talking? Why'd I get super hyped like that? Okay, expectation and entitlement. Clay sent the text about prayer requests for these, for, the, for these different things. The manifest presence of God was something that was coming out of those times. Jesus, what is the difference? How do I live a life that is confident in my inheritance? You died to make something available. But then what does the pursuit and yieldedness and surrender of, of humility, of how, how, can I, um, uh, how can I pretend to be, to be something? A woman named Heidi Baker said, how can I pretend to be something when the, when the person that is everything became nothing? Far be it from me to pretend that I am something. I love that quote. How can I pretend to be something when the one that is everything became nothing? And oftentimes, my lack of experience of him is simply just to think of myself way too high and to recognize that, to recognize that the purest sound and the purest positioning of surrender is the clanging of my crown at his feet. If he crowns you with royalty and righteousness, the mark of a lover is I couldn't get to his feet fast enough to cast it down. I couldn't get to his feet fast enough to surrender it. I couldn't get to his feet fast enough to give it back to me, to give it back to him. And so today, as we were getting ready to come here tonight, I just had this moment of where I just plainly asked the Lord. I just plainly said, Jesus, can you, would, would you tell me what is the difference between expectation and entitlement? And this landed on me like a ton of bricks on my chest Expectation comes out of a heart of someone that knows who he is. Entitlement, not so much. 
Entitlement will always demand the pleasures and privileges of relationship, but without intimacy. Healthy expectation is rooted in a heart that knows who they belong to and the beauty of what righteous intimacy brings and unfolds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Expectation comes out of a heart of someone that first knows who he is. Entitlement, not so much. Entitlement will always demand the pleasures and the privileges of relationship, but it doesn't want the intimacy. It does not want the in-between. It's not willing to have tough conversations. It's not willing to go past surface level. It's not willing to get its hands dirty. It's not willing to fight for relationship. It's not willing to fight for connection. I want you to be a certain way with me without me putting in any of the work. That's like saying, I want to get married to you, but um, I want to have separate beds, separate house, separate car, separate bank account. We're never going to actually see each other, but I'll have a ring on my finger that says we're married. Healthy expectation is rooted in a heart that knows who they belong to and the beauty of what righteous intimacy, of what righteous intimacy brings and unfolds. I'm still sitting on exactly what that means and I'm enjoying meditating on that and enjoying renewing my mind with that, but I really wanted to share that tonight because when I read, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This begin, began to un, unfold with me when I came through the door one day and Conrad was waiting for me at the door and he saw me and he started to like freak out and dance and get all excited that I was coming into the door. I immediately bent down and picked him up and, and Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, your son knows exactly who he is and he has every expectation that his father is going to pay attention to him. Your son is more free to come to me than you are. Let's change that. And I've never been so encouraged and convicted in that moment, in that whole week, of just realizing my son had more of an expectation to come to his father for an embrace than I was playing hard to get the past couple of days leading up to that moment. So much of our Christian life sadly boils down to Jesus the bridegroom chasing a runaway bride that declares herself not good enough. When you've left him on an altar and abandoned him in the moments of intimacy he desires to share with you because we can't get past looking at our own selves. I would encourage you tonight. I think that Jesus and all of heaven and the cloud of witnesses that are looking on at your life are honored, pleased, and ecstatic at your desire to live a certain way. But take morals, put them out the window, simply put yourself on the altar instead and let him consume you. A behavior-based Christianity will only produce legalism every time. Every time. Not to mention wildly exhausting. But when I recognize I'm not being entitled, I'm, I'm, I'm coming with expectation that he's as good as he says he is and better, 
He's made himself extremely accessible and I have expectation that he will receive me, take me in every time. Does that need to be learned? Absolutely it does. I believe our minds need to be renewed by that truth. There may be some of you, you had a powerful encounter with the Lord in that time of worship with music. You may go out to your car and be like, what the heck, where is he? What the heck, like what, what happened, what changed? I can promise you it wasn't him. I can promise you it wasn't him. If you are in your life right now of wondering, well, I, I used to have this, or the Lord was like this last week, and now, I don't know, it just, it just seems to be different. 100% have been there. Okay, pause, stop. Just stop for a minute. Repent, not because you've sinned. Repent, come back to, okay, he has promised he will never change. His shadow, the, 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 it is written, his shadow won't even shift. Where did I step out of childlikeness to think that he would not want to be with me? Where, where, did, where did I take off a cloak of childlikeness and leave it behind and maybe step into works? Maybe step into self-righteousness. Maybe step into just, I'm just gonna try to live moral. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. We, can, we, we, care, we cannot carry it through the gate, praise God. You all still with me right now? We doing good? Okay, awesome. Let's go on to five, chapter five. I've got a little bit of time left. I wanna at least get through these first couple of verses. Verse one, every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as others. He is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. In verse four, what did we just get done reading? Bump back up with me. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do yet he did not sin. Now jump back down to, to verse two in five. He is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people. Why? Because he himself was subject to these same sins. This is why anytime you come to Jesus in victory or failure, the answer is the same. Come to Jesus in victory or failure. I was learning that this week, earlier in the week, in failure, come to Jesus. The answer is the same. Come to Jesus. Knowing that when you come to him, even if it's, even if it's like, hey, I need to do business with the Lord in a, in a realm of correction, his correction with you will always be one of gentleness and joyfulness because he has been where you have been and he has made himself sensitive to our sufferings. This is why he is always trustworthy. And in the dying words of Andrew Murray, the Lord is worthy and deserving of my trust. Verse four, and no one can become a high priest. Just kidding, we skipped three. That is, why he must, <laughs> that is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. 
and no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. Verse five, that is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God the Father who said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Verse eight, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience. Everyone in here say obedience. Obedience. From the things he suffered. I want to explain something. I was uh, in a um, meeting with two friends of mine this week. Um, I, I get together with them normally like once, um, once a month just to check in, like personal accountability stuff. And, um, and they asked me a question of what does success in this season look like for you? What does success look like for Matt and Brandy in this season? Maybe ask yourself, a couple weeks back, I asked you to raise your hands in the room if you feel like you've been in a season of waiting, almost like you're, you're in the plane, the plane has taken off, and you're, but you're like, you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're circling the tower. You're not allowed to land yet. Steve shared this awesome word that we were in pre-service prayer and, and, and Steve on the base here tonight. Steve, how'd you say that? I'm, what'd you say? The, I'm living in the promise, not looking for the promise? Yeah, and he said, I'm learning to come to this place of where I'm, I'm just, I'm not looking for the promise. I'm just, I'm living in it. If you want to explore that more, you can go ask him. But that's, but as he said it, it like, it hit me of where I just was like, man, that's the Lord. But what I've been thinking about ever since my friend asked me, hey, what does success look like for you in this season? The answer that I gave him was this super like blown up, like super huge definition of success. And he challenged me and said, first thing, what if the season that you're in already looks like success simply just because you chose to walk into it? First thing. And what if the results that are expected from obedience are not up to you? Second thing, they're not up to you. And then third thing, what if God never promises crazy amounts of crazy fruit, but he does ask you to be obedient and fruit is simply his responsibility. He just asks you to walk through the door. You make fruit your responsibility. It's not, it's his. Fruit is 100% the Lord's responsibility. That's why they're called the fruits of the spirit. Moral living is be patient, be gentle, be kind, be self-controlling, get it done. The work of the spirit is I yield and I find a living that only comes in my leaning and he lives through me. What, what was that? What did I say last week? God is not looking for his work to only be done on earth. He is looking for his work to be done through whom he can do his work through. That's a type of living that only comes from leaning upon him. And oftentimes my obedience 
does not necessarily mean it's going to look like thousands, millions, hundreds, whatever. It may, it may look like, it, honestly, it may look like 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 people in, in an upper room learning how to minister to him, learning how to delight him. It may look like going home and loving my family well. It may look like learning to, seriously, don't, like, don't think that we're crossing over into something weird or religious. It may look like you learning how to die to yourself. I'm reading this book right now. It's by a super old, uh, I can't even pronounce his name fully, um, but uh, everyone has just come to call him Fenelon. And Fenelon, it's, it's a small little booklet um, yeah, from what I know, had a short life, beautiful and amazing life. And I read this line from him to, uh, this week as I'm reading this little booklet that I found in my mom and dad's bookcase at their house, just like this, this gem standing out. And he said, um, it only hurts where things are dying, where there is life. And Jesus has come to drain from you that of which is not real life. And, he, and, and, and the, the quote goes on to say, the crosses that he give us fall upon the places where there is only life. And Jesus has come that we would truly be crucified into his image. It's confusing, I know. But what I take away from that is that, and what that meant for me is there's areas of my life that have yet to have a full-on collision with the grace, mercy, and full-on attributes of Jesus. My striving is not going to get me there, but my surrender will, because he'll meet me there every time. Because as, as it is written in Psalm 51, a broken and repentant heart will never be denied. Will never be denied. And oftentimes, I may not know what's on the other side of my obedience. I, I, I may not. And it may not ever look the way that I'm thinking that it's supposed to look or has to look. This is why intimacy with Jesus is so important because when I learn and practice and fail and repent again and try and get up and repent and fail again and, and, I'm, and I'm learning how to walk with him, I'm learning how to be sensitive to him, I'm learning how to live in step with him, I learn that my life of obedience has nothing to do with fruit. Fruit is entirely up to him, entirely up to him. The privilege of my obedience comes from the fact that his heart and jealousy was wooed and satisfied because I looked at him and just said, yes, I'll show up. I'll walk through the door. We'll make the move. We'll say no to this in order to say yes to this. Yes, you have our yes. That's like success right there. You're doing it. And I want to, I want to honestly, I just want, I'll say it this way. I honestly want to prophesy over you tonight that like, I feel like there's many of you in here that need to let pressure up off of yourself. And I feel like you just need to hear, calm down, it's working. Like, calm down, it's working. And if you have been wondering, well, it's not working, it's a success, this is, or it's, it's a failure, this is not a success, says who? The expectations of lofty things that you've set for yourself, you will let yourself down every time and you will be miserable. I'm learning that brutally in this season. My definition of success, not what I thought that we moved here for. His definition of success, totally different, way more fulfilling, 
Does it cause me to die a lot more in the process? 100%. But is it beautiful and amazing? Yes, because I get him and I get his presence and I get a tender and soft heart. Not fake moral living that acted one way on the outside out of a religious obligation and then I just was pissed off on the inside. I was broken before him. If our, if our definition of obedience changed, I actually also think we would take a whole lot more risks in the kingdom. Because it would just, it would eliminate our insecure obsession over, over, over how it's going to go or how it's going to look. Just be obedient. Just walk through the door. Just show up. I want to say this to you that um, we probably won't always meet on Thursday nights for forever. We don't know when this is going to happen. We don't even know how this is going to happen. We believe that the Lord has given us permission to move to Sunday mornings. You could truly, truly, truly be praying for us in that we need a lot of wisdom. We need a lot of wisdom. And just being honest, we also need financial breakthrough, 100%. All these things are the concern of the Lord's, 100% they are, and, and he has them. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. There may be many of you that the Lord calls to this community, Thursday night, Sunday morning, whatever. And your definition of success will look like just showing up. Don't care about, don't, who cares about what you bring and what you have to offer? As Jeff has always said, no offense, we're not here for you. And, this, these nights, and these nights do not exist for you. So if you don't bring anything, that's fine. We don't want anything from you anyway. We just need you to get him. And he wants you to get him. Because when was the last time that you, you would want to be married to someone or be in a relationship with someone of where there's no reciprocation? That just sounds like slavery. And for many of you, the season of your life is just demanding, just show up and just sit in it. Well, that's not fun. It, honestly, it, it, it may not be, but I know for a fact that joy that is found in the kingdom that has been placed within me is 100% accessible all the time because it lives within me. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is not a joy that depends on me. It is not a joy that depends on things gone right. It is a joy that is learned and leaned and lived into. I think John 16 reveals to us like, hey, this, it's not always going to be fun. And I'm sorry if you're going through a season right now of where it's just, man, I'm, I, I, just, I just need breakthrough. I need something to break. I, I need something to break. I need a breakthrough. I just, I, I, I need that. I said a while back, Jesus, I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread. Like literally, I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread. And I sensed the delight of the Lord in it, just sensing beautiful, because that's where I am. Because that's where I am. If you let go, I'll catch you. You're not hanging on by a thread. You're being held by me. Let go. Let go. We got to verse 10 and, and 5, and so we're going to stop there. It's 8.58. I would rather stop there than continue on, and even though there's only a little bit left. Ah, whatever. Let's just go. We got one minute. We're just going to read it straight through, and we'll finish. That way we can, we can get through 5. Hold on. I want to make sure I'm not rushing that. Actually, no, I don't want to rush it. Let's just stop. Let me go, let me go with what was on my heart first. 
I don't want to do it just for the sake of doing it. Let's just, let's pause there and be present in that. How about this? Just close your Bible. Stand to your feet with me tonight as we, as we close out this evening. Hebrews 5, we'll, the rest of it will still be there next week, and we'll, we can finish it out then as we go into 6. <clears throat> Who was playing keys tonight? Was Sean, was that you? Sean, can you hop up on the keys real quick? Thank you. I always want to make sure that um, there's, some of you have heard me explain this for like literally this is going to be the 10 millionth time you've heard me explain this, but I just always want to make sure that we're adding and putting language to what is happening and what's going on. The reason why in these times that we um, play, like whether it's keys or a guitar or something like this is because there's a form of praise in scripture. It's one of seven Hebrew words of praise. We should really, we need to do a study on that sometime. It's, it's brilliant. Even like the raising and the throwing forth of hands, it's, it's like a, to, to, to perform a tehillah, a, a throwing forth of my hands and an and and excitement in praise. It's, it's all in there. It's not just something that we've done over the over the, over the years and it just has become charismatic expression. I believe it's woven into your spiritual DNA and it's crying out for Abba Father, as Romans says. But um, it's a Zamar praise. Zamar praise is the form of praise that David would play over Saul that would cause the tormenting demons to leave Saul and like just cause him to be renewed and refreshed. And Saul would summon David and say, hey, play for me a Zamar praise, like ministering music, get like calm the atmosphere around me. So that is why we do that. And that's why it's not just something we do to close out service. It's something that we do so that you leave here with attention on him. But here's what I wanna do. Just, um, how about this? You can, you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit back down. Sorry, I don't know why I had you stand then, but um, just center, center your attention on the Lord right now. Whatever, whatever that looks like for you. I don't wanna define what that looks like for you. Just whatever that looks like for you, center your attention on the Lord right now. If there's a place that you were in in worship, go back to that place. Like just re-enter into that place. Trust me, it's, it's one step away. It's, he has not gone far and you don't have to scream, you don't have to yell. We only scream and yell for someone that is far away. He has not gone far. Or if you just get so excited, you can't take it, you just have to scream. That's kind of how tonight in that beautiful worship with music felt, I just wanted to scream as loud as I could. Just give your attention to the Lord right now, simple attention. Simple attention. standing here wondering, well, what are we waiting for? Like, what are, what are we waiting 
to have happen? Like, what are we waiting to take place right now? It's, it's happening right now. The stillness coming over your soul, the, the, the presence of Jesus that is sometimes as abrupt as a brick through the window and sometimes as subtle as like a, a, like a, a feather across the bridge of your nose. Steward the measure that you're given. Just, Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you that you always hear us. Thank you that you always come. And before we could even say come, you are waiting for us. So we say, we receive you, King Jesus. We receive you. We receive you, King Jesus. We will not withhold ourselves as the joy of your suffering. I put you on the cross. I put you there. I put you there. I nailed you there. And we hear you say tonight, yes, but my love kept me there. Trust me, he didn't need nails and he didn't need ropes to keep him to that cross. It was the icing on the cake of the suffering and humiliation of his crucifixion to show you, this is what I think about you. This is, this is what I think about you. Give him yourself right now because that is how you honor his sacrifice. Give him yourself right now. You were the joy set before him. Do not play hard to get. Do not be a runaway bride that, that is stuck in a cycle of self-analysis. Let what, what, uh, whoever was singing it tonight, when we were declaring out, we are enough for you, you are enough for us, you are enough for him. Maybe past people, past relationships, past family history said, otherwise you are enough for him. Trust me, otherwise the cross would not have worked. and gently yield yourself to him right now. Yield to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Almost every note that Shauna hits, imagine that it's breaking something off as, as, as she strikes those chords, that, that Zamar praise, that spontaneous praise, it's just boom, there it is hitting, it's breaking something, it's washing something. There it is again, it's breaking, it's washing something off. Just give him attention, give him attention. If you pray in the spirit or you pray in tongues, silently do that to yourself right now, just in your, in your prayer language to yourself. If that is something that you do, just silently to yourself right now. edify your spirit before him. Pray in languages unknown that only heaven can bear witness to. If nothing comes to your mind right now, just literally just say, thank you, Jesus. Inhale, thank you. Exhale, Jesus. Thank you. 
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We don't measure the success of an encounter by what we felt in that moment, but by the degree that our attention was turned towards him. Just simply turn your eyes to him, turn your heart to him. Even if there's something that it's like you, you can feel, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I will go to this point and then stop or I will go to this point and then I have no interest in going further. Take, take one step further. Take one step further. Journey closer to him. He is more gentle and more kind and he deals gently. What did we read tonight? He deals gently with wayward people. His correction does not come in the form of a smack upside the head and a verbal beatdown. That has no part of who he is. What if his, his correction over you is so tender, it comes in the form of a whisper and even that whisper would shatter mountains. Come boldly to the throne of grace right now. You're not, you're, and if you're wondering, oh, I'm just, I'm being entitled. This is not for me. This is 100% for you. This is 100% for you. He died to give you this. Right now, all that you're doing is with expectation, exercising inheritance and exercising your birthright. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for the beautiful and wonderful ways that you came. We honor you. Jesus, seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you let us see. Thank you that you let us touch. Thank you that you let us feel. Thank you for letting us experience. Thank you for letting us come close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Release yourself to him right now. We release ourselves to you, Jesus. We release ourselves to you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Lord, I pray that as we leave here tonight, Hebrews chapter four and Hebrews chapter five would fall onto soil that is soft and deep and nurtured, and it would take root immediately. Fruit would come as a byproduct of simple obedience.
not production. I'm, don't, don't hear me say obedience and then immediately think production. That misses the point. Obedience. Simply turn. Simply surrender. Scrape fruit off your plate. It's on his. Let the vine dresser do the work. Find yourself bankrupt and in need at his feet. And let him put you back together by breathing upon you. Jesus, we honor your name, your presence. We thank you that you are coming again soon. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. You are coming again. You are coming again. You are coming again. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. We thank you for tonight. Thank you for what you have done and what you are doing. You are so ridiculously kind and nurturing. You're, it's ridiculous. Just thank you. Shauna will continue to play for a little bit. We want to honor your time that we are officially done. And she's just going to continue to play for a little bit. But I, I really feel like the Lord is just hovering right now. And I will be totally honest. I'm not totally like, I don't really know what to do. I just know that I want to be done talking and I want to step out of the way. And so I feel like Holy Spirit is hovering. And so I just want to ask that if there's people encountering the Lord or you just want to encounter the Lord, if you would like to pray together, please step to the back um, and just and minister amongst yourselves. But just enjoy the Lord in this space. Please do not be in a rush to move on or, or to leave. There's no one kicking you out. There's nothing that says you have to leave. But just know that your, your time is your own. Please feel free to do with it as you need to. Bless you guys. We love you guys. And we'll see you um, We'll see you next Thursday at 7 o'clock. Stay in this encounter in this place as long as you need to.